welcome, welcome, welcome to the Disney Podcast. On this week's show, we are back from a four-month hiatus, so we'll fill you in on where we've been, where we're headed, and our thoughts on the Disney news highlights from September to now. Together again, again. Gee, it's good to be together again, again. I just can't imagine that you've ever been gone. It's not starting over, it's just going on. This is episode number 32 for January 9th, 2017. It's been a while, folks. I am your host, Brent. And here with me, as always, is my co-host, Jen. Hey, Jen, how's it going? How are you? Good. I'm ready to be back in it. Yeah, it's been it's been too long. And we'll get to that. So let's l- jump right into it. Yeah. You may have been wondering where the, the hell we have been the past four months. Uh, well... I got a new job in October here. I'm now an engineer here at a General Electric and dragged Jen kicking and screaming to Pittsburgh. For real. She may be originally from Pennsylvania, but she sure acclimated to the California weather. Yeah, I I really don't know what to say about it. I mean, I came here in December, so we went back to doing the long distance thing for a couple of months. Super ironic to everyone, like that I moved from PA to LA to be with you, and then you moved to PA, and we were once again long distance, but me back in LA. Yeah. Um, had to keep the Disneyland trips short there because it's not something I can really do without you, so that was sad. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. So we are no longer Disneyland locals. It's just, you know, a moment of silence for our loss. Is there more I could have said? Now there are only pictures in my head. That's why my green is feeling gray. Sometimes even frogs have rainy days. Yes, goodbye to our weekly visits to Disneyland. That is sad. However, we would like to take a moment to give a shout out to all of the podcasters out there who do this stuff remotely. And we're used to podcasting always together in the same room. We didn't even want to attempt it when we went back to being long distance. So props to you guys for making it work. Yeah, and that for putting on great shows. Yeah, that and we, you know, we accidentally shipped both mics to Pittsburgh, so you know that posed a that problem didn't too. Help. Yeah, but, <laughs> not anyway. accidentally. How am I going to fit this microphone in my suitcase? <laughs> That's a good point. But uh, anywho, we're uh, we're settling in pretty good here now in Pittsburgh. We have a dog, a beautiful boxer, uh, snow on the ground, and a whole new adventure starting. Uh, so you know what to expect for this podcast going forward. I'd probably say we're kind of podcast try to shoot around for somewhere around you know once a month um but you know it's going to be more kind of free-flowing yeah probably a longer show than we used to do definitely a longer show that we used to do you know weekly was just really tough um and i think just we'll be able to vibe better and stuff like that during once a month but we may be able to do it faster depending on what the news comes out we'll see for that month it's just if we're feeling inspired Definitely. Right. So um, we should also note that we decided to cut, you know, cut or shut down the website. The hosting fees were too expensive and we would rather focus our efforts here on this podcast with our limited time. We really, Jen and I really enjoy our time here on the podcast. And I think that's our favorite part of, 
you know, being in the Disney community, definitely. Without a doubt. But that being said, we'll be back active on social media. In fact, we've already started posting again today as we're recording to let you all know that you have something to look forward to. Yeah, we'll do that as much as we can, honestly. Um, We love it. So we'll also, of course, be spending much less time talking about visiting Disneyland. Uh, You know, we're just not locals anymore. Breaks our heart. Believe me, it breaks your heart, breaks our heart totally. So... But more trips to Disney World are in order. Yeah. Since we're in Pittsburgh is just a short flight away. How long is the flight from, since you're from Pennsylvania, Jen, how long is the flight approximately from here to uh, MCO? Uh, that's, so that's a good question. Um, we actually have a trip in March. Unfortunately, that one is with American Airlines, so we don't have a direct flight. But I would think that a direct one would be about two and a half hours or so. I mean, that's what it was when I'd go from Harrisburg or Baltimore. It's just super quick. So we're super excited. Yeah. A lot better than our like five, six, eight hour flights from L.A. Definitely. And of course, we're not, you know, a 30 minute drive from Disneyland like we were. But this is super exciting. I I can't wait. I'm trying to book trips all the time. If Jen would let me. Moving (laughs) along. Just a quick kudos to the Mighty Men of Mouse. We're able to podcast weekly while Dutch moved twice because we sure dropped the ball on that. He moved down to Florida and then back. Yeah, that's impressive. To, I believe, either Rhode Island or New Hampshire. I forget. but uh, and, and was still able to podcast weekly. I don't know how he did it. So quick You know, kudos. the last few months have been an absolute whirlwind. Like, I just, they've flown by. And I missed podcasting the whole time, but they really were gone in a blink of an eye. Like, it doesn't feel like it's been that long since we lived in L.A. and we're doing this regularly. Not at all. That's why I just, it's, you know, just amazing that they did that. So good for you, Dutch. We love the Mighty Minnow Mouse. Yeah. Uh, Jen, tell us about our, our next thing. Yeah, well, now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's do a quick wedding update. So I think since we last told you in August, we got engaged. We decided to have a Disney World wedding. Well, since then, we've actually booked it, signed our contract, which is fantastic. We did that in October. And as of January 1st, Disney raised the prices of having weddings at Disney World. Go figure. I mean, geez, I mean, leave it up to Disney to be a greedy corporation. That we love, but <laughs> yes, still, yes. it's still greedy. It's pretty substantial. It used to be 3500 for any outdoor or park venue any time of the year, and then four grand for the wedding pavilion. And those are just like the venue fee for the ceremony. That's excluding everything else you have to pay for in the wedding, right? But now they've implemented seasonal pricing for your entire wedding. And when it comes to those venues, the wedding pavilion ranges from 4000 in the off season to 6500 during peak season times. So what, what is off season versus peak season in terms of weddings in, in Disney World? Um, you know, that's a good question. So normally wedding season is in the summer. I'm not exactly sure how Disney is defining it because just looking at how they changed the pricing, I was most focused on how does it relate to the mini wishes experience, which is what we're doing for our wedding. And in that case, October through December is part of the peak season. You don't get the discounts anymore. Like you can't right. you cannot have the wedding that we are having 
in, from October through December. Actually, from September through December as of this year. Wow. Yeah. So it's a big deal that we got this booked when we did. Um, but I would imagine that for other weddings, the summer is a pretty peak time. You can have a mini wishes wedding, I think, for a couple of months in the late winter, early spring, and I think in the summer, but not later in the year. I think they're avoiding food and wine. They're avoiding the fall. They're avoiding the seasonal decorations that get people really excited. So you're telling me actually Disney avoids doing many wishes weddings at some points during the year altogether. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like you cannot have them for months at a time at certain parts of the year. Jeez, we really got lucky. Yeah. Yeah, as well as now there is a cap. So if you want to have a mini wishes wedding, which essentially means the difference between a mini wishes wedding and a regular wishes wedding is that you pay $25 less per person, at least for the required minimum per person for food at each mealtime. So for brunch, lunch or dinner, instead of the, like the standard is one twenty five for brunch, one fifty for lunch, one seventy five for dinner. It's twenty five off of that for mini wishes, right? And then for your enhancements part, which is the fee you pay for your reception location, as well as everything from floral decor to entertainment, transportation, all of those other things bundled into one. With a regular wedding, you have to spend, I believe, at least $5,000. With mini wishes, it's only $3,000. So the mini wishes package really has enabled a lot of people to be able to afford a Disney wedding that otherwise it was going to cost them several thousand dollars more to do so. Luckily. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So cutting that has meant a lot of people are upset. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing it all online a lot because I'm part of the various Diz Brides groups on Facebook. And it's definitely come as a shock to many couples who were planning on having Disney weddings. I mean, I can imagine for us. So the way a Disney wedding process works is you can hit up Disney at any point in time and say, we're interested in having a wedding with you. Go for a site visit. And they take you around the various locations and do the whole thing. However, you're not locked in for having a Disney wedding at those prices until you sign the contract, which Disney does not allow you to do until exactly 12 months out from your wedding date. So on October 18th, 2016, which was it 12 months from our wedding date, Disney emailed us and said, hey, everything's good to go for your venue and what you requested. And they sent us a contract and we had two weeks to sign it and send it back to them with the deposit. Um, If you are not at that stage yet, even if you've visited Disney World to do a site visit and you've been discussing with the sales coordinators and all of that, these price increases affect you. You're not locked into having a wedding. So if you were planning a 2018 wedding, essentially. This affects you. Yeah. You're paying these higher prices. There's no way around it. It doesn't matter if you already went to Disney, if you already talked to somebody. This is what you're paying now. Go figure. Just crazy. Damn Disney. Yeah. (laughs) For real. So we decided to obviously get married in October. We're having a 9 a.m. ceremony in the Italy Plaza in Epcot. This shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, we love Epcot. We spend so much of our time there when we go to Disney World. It's my favorite park in Walt Disney World. Yeah, without a doubt. 
And we, on our September trip, walked around all of the countries in Epcot and really thought about where we wanted to get married. And we had kind of thought about France. We thought about Italy, Germany, and I think Canada were kind of our big ones for where we'd have our ceremony. Mm -hmm. And we decided on Italy because they have that awesome raised platform in so, the center so, where so the flag in, twirlers do their thing. Right. So what's that called in Italy? Is that Italy Plaza? Italy, Italy Asola? Well, it's Italy Plaza is that whole center area that's surrounded by the buildings in Italy. Italy Isola is the part of Italy that's right along the water with the bridge and the walkway and like the things sticking out of the water. I definitely get you. Yeah, the more of the kind of illuminations viewing exactly. Italy Isola. Exactly. That's considered an extension of the Italy Pavilion even though it's after the it's between there's a the massive walkway right around the lagoon mm-hmm. is between that part of the lake and Italy Plaza. Yeah, so we're getting ma- getting married in the center of Italy, in the heart of it. Awesome. It'll be awesome. It has a natural like what is that like stairs up right. to a nice a uh, nice platform and it's just it's perfect. It's going to be gorgeous without and, spending too much money, which we love. So. Yeah. And everyone we've talked to have said that this is one of their favorite places to have a wedding in Disney World if it's not at the wedding pavilion. It's just gorgeous. It's it's so meant for it. Yeah, Jen, do you want to quickly talk about, you know, the photography process and who we've booked and stuff like that for yeah so looking at the budget for the wedding like we said the way it works is you have to spend a certain amount of money with disney for everything other than food and the ceremony venue and taking a look at it we decided that we could afford to get and that it would actually make sense to get a photographer that isn't from Disney. So the basic Disney package that comes with a mini wishes wedding is about $2,000 for a photographer for four hours, which is just the start of your ceremony time through the end of your reception. So you don't get any getting ready photos. You don't get any photos before your wedding starts. None of that. You can pay extra to upgrade. (laughs) Oh, of course you can pay Disney extra. (laughs) They will always take that, yes. (laughs) Um, But it also comes with a photo album that Disney makes you that's supposed to be pretty nice. Well, anyways, looking at it, we thought, you know, it could be worthwhile to look around for other photography. So in our case, we're also having our reception at the Living Seas Salon in Epcot. Gorgeous venue. Right. It's essentially the private room on the other side of the tanks of the aquarium in the the Living Seas. Yeah, it's what the corporate... Uh, lounges used to be yeah. so like if you can imagine I guess coral reefs like on the left side of the mm-hmm. tanks and then the attraction is farther left right is that correct yeah that could be right so then as as far as we know um, so then the uh, Living Seas Salon is on the right and right. you take you know an elevator to get there and that's where the corporate lounges used to be I forget what sponsored it maybe Siemens or Hewlett Packard uh, yeah, I, I think, think it, no, one of those two it might have even been GE at one point because I think when we oh, went okay. for our yeah. site visit and we knew you got this new job I think we might have been joking about the fact that we could have used this had GE still been the sponsor of it which would have been cool I think you have a point there yeah yeah but anyways so it's something that when you go to the the living seas and you're looking in those huge aquariums of fish if you look through the tank and the other side of the glass you can see people on the other side if there's an event going on you just have to know to look through it like normally you're distracted by 
the fish and the coral and all those other things. And also, yeah, if from the Living Sea Salon perspective, you can see the ride tunnel where the kind yes. of the, the, the seas with Nemo and friends clamshells walk through or not walk through, ride through. And also the people, just normal civilians yeah. and guests going through the uh, pavilion yeah. are, are hosted. You can see them right across. So kind of back and forth. Yeah. So in our case, since we decided to have both our ceremony and our reception in the parks, we're fairly restricted in what we can get for our wedding because essentially it all has to be provided by Disney and therefore Disney approved since it's right in the heart of the parks and will be photographed and of course spread around. Disney wants to make sure that it's the look that they would want to sell to other people. However, photography is one thing (laughs) that we can go outside of Disney for. And so we decided we would shop around for another photographer that we could get longer coverage from for hopefully less money. And we really lucked out on this. So we actually found this awesome woman named Regina Hyman. She actually used to be one of the Disney fairy tale wedding photographers at Disney World. But I think she told me about seven years ago or so, she did deci- decided to strike out on her own and start her own company. But she still lives in Central Florida. So she does a lot of Disney weddings. She knows a lot of the Disney planner- wedding planners and works really closely with Disney to do the weddings. So we look through the photographs um, that several recommended vendors take for weddings. And we just loved hers. They're beautiful. They're crisp. They're HD quality photography. Yeah, so we love the HD crisp quality. It needs I to know, be vivid. I know there's like a new fad going on or something like that, that it seems like people love this fisheye or the... Or the dream the, state. The dream state where everything, yeah. like, besides the subjects, looks blurry and it doesn't foggy make... Foggy even. Or foggy, yeah. yeah. And it doesn't really make sense to us. Jen and I just love really crisp HD photos. Exactly. and. That's gorgeous. I mean, you know, Disney properties and parks and stuff like that, especially Epcot, where we're going to get married, are so beautiful. Why dream state that? It's just beautiful on its own. Yeah, it's gorgeous. So we started talking to Regina. We had a phone call with her. She's a really, really lovely person. Like, I'm so looking forward to working with her. She already gets that I'm probably going to be one of those... OCD, pretty high anxiety <laughs> brides. And she told me that she knows how to deal with that stuff. And she will be one of those people to comfort and relax me, which is perfect <laughs> because that's what I'll need. Um, so anyways, we booked her for our wedding. We're so excited about it. I think she's just going to be absolutely fantastic. And even better, we got our Disney wedding planner. Her name is Christy. She's also fabulous. Had a great conversation with her a couple of weeks ago. In fact, the last wedding that Christy was the planner of for the 2016 calendar year and that Regina photographed for the 2016 calendar year happened to be a Disney wedding that they worked together on. So it's perfect. They know each other. They have for years. And I think this is all working out just as we needed it to be. It works perfectly. Yeah, I hope, you know... They work together super well on an Epcot wedding. Yeah. But I'm sure they do that all the time. Yeah. I know the wedding pavilion near the Magic Kingdom is the most popular, but yeah. I have well, total faith in both, both of them. Both of them told together. me on our calls that the Italy Plaza location 
is their favorite location and one of their favorite locations in Disney World well, for it's a weddings. They're place. both excited. I mean, about we it. visited Epcot many times, and that was the spot where, like, it's this gorgeous. has got to be it. Yeah, this is it. Yeah, it makes so much sense. Um, yeah, so the thing about hiring an actual Disney fairy tale wedding photographer that Disney offers is that you contract with Disney that they will have a photographer assigned for your wedding, but you don't actually get to pick the person. So in our case, we have chosen someone that we know Regina and her husband, who is the other photographer for her company, will be there on our wedding day. Whereas if you go with Disney fairy tale wedding photography, you're not sure who you're going to get until a few months beforehand and you can get to know that person, but Disney has the right to swap them in and, and out. And, and as they plus please. Disney photographers have been rumored to be people. They just pick off the streets and just train them on a camera. We don't know what they're going to, what kind of accreditation well, they no, have. No no, 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 no. So that's more of the park photography. So, like so the photo pass people are different from the, the wedding yes, photographers? Yes, exactly. So the wedding photographers are part of the fine art photography. They are actually professional, legitimate photographers. Like I said, Regina used to be one of them. That was one of the places that she She was a photo her, pass person or a professional Disney professional photographer? Professional Disney photographer for weddings under fine me. art, which means that they're the people who do, like if you want to schedule an engagement photo session for your wedding, if you want to schedule a park shoot for either an engagement or wedding attire or whatever those are those people so you can schedule specific photo sessions with really good photographers at disney for of course a price <laughs> I and that's what I that still is. Think it's that not it's not the photo pass people that are standing there all day i still think the disney professional in quotation photographers are still not as good as what we're getting i mean come on Babe, uh, do you she agree or not agree? To, I don't agree because Regina used to be one of them. But she's probably gotten better since then. Oh, I just feel like you're saying things that I can't. Uh, that's fine. Well, let's continue. Oh, Anything dear. else to add to the wedding? <laughs> um, yeah. So in March, we're actually headed to Disney World on a family vacation. And we will be going for our wedding planning session. So it'll be on the Monday of our visit, like an all-day thing. We'll go to the Frank's Wedding Studio at Grand Floridian from, I think, 9 a.m. till about 2 p.m. And it'll be essentially deciding everything about our wedding. I can't wait for this, yeah. Yeah. Is this colors and... and I don't know. Yeah, tabletops we, I mean, we have to take paint chips and the Pinterest boards and all of those things. But yeah, it'll be looking at the actual linens that they have and swatches for colors. Like and like swatch like swatch like watches. Deciding or? napkins and how they should be folded. I appreciate and you ignoring me on the swatch front, but that's okay. Yes, <laughs> we will also have our cake tasting. Okay, I believe we get to try four different cake flavors as well as four different filling flavors for the cake, which will be exciting. We'll have to take pictures of cake design ideas that we have That's for our wedding point. yes and then at 2 30 we will go with our wedding planner to epcot backstage and have a menu tasting I with the wait. epcot chefs which is gonna be fantastic Let's Jen, be do, you know, do you know approximately where back this backstage area is gonna be or no Maybe i have just, no idea oh, oh, even better i have not heard yeah i have no idea where it is i've just heard it's backstage at epcot with the epcot chefs 
And that's going to be pretty fantastic. And from what I've heard, everyone says go hungry because the portions they serve you are full meal portions. They don't give you little tasters of like if you if you said like, oh, I want to know what this steak is going to be like for our wedding. They serve you that filet. They don't serve you one bite of it. So it's going to be fantastic. Can't wait. I'm thinking it's probably going to be somewhere like World Showplace ish. Showcase. Show place. Show have you heard place? of the world show place? I have yeah, not. It's, I think it's in between Canada and Future World. Oh, that thing. That thing. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere well, I in don't, there. I, it's I where mean, they have events. I'm sh- well. I'm sure it's going to be in one of the standard kitchen areas, but we don't know where those are in Epcot. Darn yeah. Yeah. I'll be in Napoli. I just want some. It's going to be a food. fun thing to talk about on our podcast in March. How that all went down. Oh, we'll definitely wrap it up for you guys. Anything else to add to the wedding, Jen? No, I think that's about it. We're super excited. Oh, oh I guess we should probably tell you that we've booked a beach club stay for our wedding, which is oh, perfect. Yeah. We can't wait. Uh, this is our first time. Well, my first time at the beach club. Jen's second or third time, I think. Third. Yeah. Yeah. We're staying at beach club with our bridal party. Some of my family is staying at boardwalk. I think some of your family is also going to stay at beach club. It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. I've, you know, for a while now, since I visited Alani years ago, that's been my favorite Disney resort. Um, but I think Beach Club has a, has a chance to topple it, but I'm not sure. I think Alani just is the king. But, yeah. Uh, we shall see. It's we shall be great. see. Yeah. Well, while we've been moving to Pittsburgh, wedding planning, not doing shows. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we've missed a lot of Disney news and rumors. Let's tackle the highlights of the last four months. God, has it been four months? I guess really? it has. Uh, Disney continues to suck guests dry with upcharge offerings. No surprise to any of you following the news, especially the cabanas at the Magic Kingdom. Apparently, the price is $649 a day. And you get a shoddy-looking tent adjacent to Space Mountain. I guess the interior has some nice features... Uh, uncomfortable but good looking couches some you know walls with nice attraction posters that kind of thing i think you maybe get a personalized bar or something like that and also kind of like a butler to the cabanas that can fetch you your drinks and stuff but the drinks and and food you got to pay for it's not included into the cabana price do they serve you alcohol uh, no, I don't believe so. No, not in the Magic mm. Kingdom. I think if they extrapolate that's a, these... one of the big new things to Magic Kingdom is alcohol is now available in several more restaurants. That's a good point. Yeah. Tony's uh, Town Square. Skipper right? Canteen. Some other restaurants like that. The However, Liberty Square yeah, Diamond Liber- Horseshoe. Liberty right. Square Tavern, too. They're just offering kind of standard run-of-the-mill uh, menus, kind of like Sam Adams, Stella, mm-hmm. and then your standard fairy tale wines, and then some cheap wines as well. Um, so it's kind of weird. I mean, maybe, maybe the cabana people, I don't know what they call them, will be able to fetch you your drinks and stuff like that from Be Our Guest or Liberty Tree Tavern. Well, I doubt it if... I mean, it's probably a policy that those restaurants can only serve you within them, right? I agree, which makes the cabanas even worse. Yeah. Right? So you're just. I mean, I don't want someone to serve me a Coke to a tent. <laughs> and the tents look terrible. However, a month later, Disney offered the cabanas at a reduced price of $499. Jen, is this a price you can 
you know, go with. Is this still worth it or no? No, I don't understand it at all. I, I just, I don't get it because if you are going to the parks, I think you're going to the parks. It's not a water park. It's not the kind of place that you're laying down and sunbathing and that you can't carry around your stuff and you need to set it in another place for a long period of time other than a locker, right? Like, you just, you don't need that, right? But I kind of feel like the people sleeping on the new Magic Kingdom Hub lawn, <laughs> we have to thank for this, right? Disney's like, oh, there's an opportunity to provide a place where you can nap in the park. And <laughs> so why not do this? Um, yeah, I, I don't get it at all. I, I Especially because if you're staying at a Disney resort, I feel like you can fairly easily go back to your hotel and rest if you so choose, Right. So if you need a break when you're at the park for the day, then is it that you're someone who's staying outside the park? In which case, at the point you're spending this much money, this probably makes up the difference in the hotel cost of having stayed at that cheaper place off property versus staying actually on Disney property, right? I don't understand it. I mean, it's a lot of money. $649 is more than a night stay at the Contemporary Polynesian and the Grand Floridian for rack rates. Right. You can, I mean, you can, I under, you can take a monorail out of the park and into your hotel room if you'd like. The way I see it is it's for a very, very select group of people, which are very non-mobile or handicapped or something like that have a ton of money to spend and don't like to move like even from you know the space mountain area in magic kingdom to the grand floridian there is a decent amount of of walking slash transportation certainly to get there so i i can see that but that's such a small subsect of of disney fans in general i think yeah well and i just don't understand why if you're looking for a place to rest that it's inside the theme park. I mean, that's just not relaxing. You know, if if you need a break from the park, then leave the park and go to one of the resorts nearby and chill out or whatever. I just don't see how being in a tent near Space Mountain is comfortable see, I don't or see, enjoyable. I don't see a problem with the relaxation part. I see a problem with more of the extravagance of the experience, I guess. Like if I think like I would stay somewhere where you're staying maybe on top of a roof of Tomorrowland or maybe you're on top near, you know, where the uh, people movers look down on and you want a cool view of not only the fireworks, but also just everyone, you know, kind of passing by the land and, you know, maybe the fanboys of Disney and just people who have gone to Disney a lot want a different view of Disney, but also accompanies the handicap people or people that don't want to walk that much a cool view that is something i could see being very cool or something to do and in something better than a standard tent i mean they got to make these full experience like maybe you have like a, a space portal that's a permanent building that disney has built that you're that looks like a mini Space Mountain next to Space well, Mountain obviously where it looks cool. renting out tents is the first step in in testing out that kind oh, definitely. of availability in the park. But either way, even if it was some set, super elaborate, gorgeous space you could get, I don't understand it. 
because I just don't anticipate, even when we have kids, I don't anticipate a time where I'm like, oh, you know, it's a good idea for us to just rent a cabana and then come back here and hang out when we're in the park. If I'm in the park, we're doing park stuff. And this is something that might have been a little more palatable for me had it been at Disneyland or DCA. Because we were the kind of people who went there all the time and didn't need to get on rides all the time and spend a lot of time just hanging out and relaxing. But even if, but even then, like I would not have paid 500 bucks on the low end for a day in one of these tents. It just, I mean, that's a lot of money. Even in Vegas, a cabana for the pool at those hotels is not this much money. It's a good point. So, and I know I've heard rumors of these cabanas getting involved into Star Wars Land in both Disneyland and Hollywood Studios. I'm guessing for the same price, maybe five hundred to six hundred fifty dollars for when they first open. Jen, is that worth it then? No, because the issue is Disney actually has a policy that says when you get in line, you should have your entire party with you. Sure, people do not follow that rule, and they let people jump in with them. But the rule at Disney is when you get in line for a ride, you're supposed to have everyone with you who is getting on that ride. So it's not like you can send one or two people from your party to wait three hours for the new Star Wars ride in Star Wars land. Meanwhile, the rest of your party is back at the cabana drinking whatever, right? That's not how this should go down. That's against the rules of what Disney operates by. So what's the point? What if they gave you fast passes to both the headliner attractions in Star Wars plus the cabana in Star Wars land? Is that is that more of a value or is that still outrageous for $650? That's still outrageous because as we very well know, on our last trip to Disney, which we have not been able to provide a trip report about because <laughs> that was in September, but we tested out dummy bands for the first time. They work fantastic. So... Um, our first, when we got off the plane, for things that haven't been open, things that have been open for a while though, nothing that's been open recent, like we haven't been able to get a dummy fast pass for frozen, right? We didn't try though. We didn't try, but I didn't see it either. But it doesn't matter because you could use your regular fast pass to book the 60 day out thing that anyone else can staying at a Disney resort, right? And then you have your dummy bands to cover you for everything else. That's a good point. Yeah, for those who use the dummy bands, yeah. 500 bucks to pay for fast passes? I mean, you better be getting a lot of them. But it's more than that, though. You get the fast passes plus, in, in this hypothetical situation, plus a place to relax, let's say, in the coveted new Star Wars land where you could but maybe overlook an X-Wing, a Millennium Falcon, and see everyone walking around the land. Let's be clear, though, that this is not a part of the package right now. Right now, no, the no, cabana this, these is, are hypotheticals. Just, is just a tent where you can put your stuff down and a Disney cast member will make sure it's not stolen, essentially. Essentially. Yeah, right. It's just a test right now in Tomorrowland and Magic Kingdom and they look terrible. Yeah. You know, I just, but. I don't understand it. I don't, I'm not sure that I buy it. If, if it's, it's one thing if it's at a water park, a place where that you need to drop everything and not hold on to it and you have concerns about your stuff being left behind and that it's a place where you're intended to relax a lot. But I don't believe that the theme parks were constructed for that. They're a place where you should be moving around. That's my thought. It's one of the places that I do my best walking and that's great for all of us. 
Definitely. Do you think it's possible to get any any money value out of this? You as like, the individual buying it? Yeah, or I mean, your maybe family. Maybe if you make a ton of money. <laughs> I just, I don't think for the vast majority of Disney consumers that this is a worthwhile expenditure. I mean, when you just think, what else could I spend that five to $650 on? There are just so many more worthwhile other Disney experiences. But it's not for the occasional or standard Disney goer. It's for the top end, you know? Is there any way to justify this? Like, so you get your own butler, right? Who can deliver food and drinks to you at whim throughout the entire day. Let's say you get all the food and drink but you a lot get. Of these... I think that's worth $300 the whole day. Of Coke? And Doritos? Is that what no, you're saying? No, but they can get you any food and drink from around the property. Plus, they deliver for you. This, I think that's around $300 a day. So you're saying you could have a Be Our Guest meal delivered to your cabana? I don't know that for sure, but I think you can. At least like the, like the, the quick service lunch option. I don't know for sure. Yeah, I don't know. I still don't believe it because I feel like if if you're in that higher end bracket, then you're the person who's probably investing in the Disney cast member tour guide who takes you around and gets you onto attractions right, the right VIP, away anyway. The VIP tours is what you're talking about. Right, right, exactly. And so why are you hanging around in the park in this cabana anyways? You're just going to go in there, get first on all the rides and leave. Well, let's put the cabanas to bed and talk about another Disney upcharge offering, which are the express buses in Disney World. So, Brent, what's the deal with these? Yeah, so the express buses uh, charge $15 per day, $24 per length of stay that you're there at the, I'm guessing, the hotel Disney Resorts. Um, So, quick rundown of the stops. Basically, it takes you to four different stops, the four theme parks. The cool thing about these is it takes you to different stops than the normal um, bus routes from the resorts take you to. For example, in Magic Kingdom, you know they pick you up from the Buzz Lightyear area, which is, I believe, in between uh, Carousel of Progress and the Buzz Lightyear ride. In Epcot, um, they'll pick you up or take you to the Spaceship Earth area. And this is not outside the park. They will actually take you to the side of Spaceship Earth, kind of near where the Art of Disney store is in Epcot. Um in Hollywood Studios, they'll take you to the Rock and Roller Coaster area, which is awesome. Kind of in between Rock and Roller Coaster and Hollywood Stu- or uh, Tower of Terror. And then at Disney's Animal Kingdom, they will take you to and from um, the Kilimanjaro Safaris. I think the so. Huge- the point is that you can go from any one of these stops to another Disney park. So it could be like you're you board at Kilimanjaro Safaris in Animal Kingdom and you go to Rock and Roller Coaster at Hollywood Studios. Correct. Or, you know, Kilimanjaro Safaris to Buzz Lightyear, which saves you a huge amount of time. Um, For anyone that goes to the parks, you have to obviously go through security to your first park because these are only operated within the four parks. But after that, you can then take the, you know, like we just said, the safaris to the Magic Kingdom straight to the Buzz Lightyear area, and there's no security checkpoint. You don't have to go again um, when transferring parks. You just go straight into the Buzz Lightyear area, and you can go you know, to Space Mountain or Carousel Progress right away. So it's not just bypassing security, but often in the parks, it's bypassing the front of the park where there aren't attractions and getting you deeper into the park to an attraction that you might want to get on right. and saving you steps. 
plus yeah not only steps but plus whatever lie there may be to check magic bands at the beginning of the park or anything like that right um the only downside i've heard about you know things like this or the express bus like this is that they're you know guessy a ton of backstage area so of course i mean they're they well, never, it's all backstage. Yeah, it's all backstage, pretty much. They never designed, you know, any of these routes to be where they would take guests originally, and so now you're going and going to see probably a lot of swamp land and kind of backstage buildings in Walt Disney World. But you know what? If you're someone, especially who does the Run Disney events, you're used to that at Disney World because the Run Disney events go through some of these. So. I, I don't think um, at Magic Kingdom, you don't go through the door by Buzz Lightyear, but you do f- um, come through like a side door um, onto Main Street that the parade floats go through. Um, and I don't know about oh Spaceship Earth. Yeah, you go through that side door when you're running the half marathons, at least. So I don't know about the other ones, but it's not. I mean... If you're looking for a huge theming experience, you shouldn't do this, probably. Totally. But then they would also not do the run Disney events. Right. So exactly. I totally agree with the fact that it, it it's not the best solution. I mean, it's, you know, they're the guests are not getting the best experience, but I think this is for guests that are more experienced the with the Walt Disney World events. But the saves you yeah. and the I think the the skipping the security is a really big point now. Oh, I think that oh, that's definitely be, the selling point. Depending on the day and depending on the guard that you get and all of those things can be such an experience, right? Like you may end up with a dude who's literally rifling through everything that you have to make sure that there's nothing <laughs> hidden in there and it takes him five minutes per bag, right? And if you don't want to waste your time on that, then this is an awesome solution. I think if you can this forego is an upcharge event I can get on board with. I agree. I think if you can forego the backstage stuff, which for me, I love seeing backstage. I I get a kick out of it. I don't think I'm ripped out of theme. I know that Disney World has to have backstage areas to function. I think this is a huge advantage. Uh, Jen and I typically do like Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom in one day. This is a huge thing. We can go to Animal Kingdom for, you know, early magic hours, get through security, then go straight to Rock and Roller Coaster area, which saves a huge amount of time, and we don't even have to do security. I mean, I think it's a huge benefit instead of just going out into the parking lot in Hollywood Studios, which is still kind of a far walk. I think also getting flustered or upset about seeing backstage stuff is maybe more of a big deal if you're like a Disney World kind of person. The reality is, if you're used to going to Disneyland and you get on the monorail, that's a big part of the monorail ride, is seeing backstage stuff. And you're used to it. And you're not upset about it. It's cool to see. Right? That's a good point. So, I I don't know. It's kind of prissy to me to be like, oh, I don't want to see backstage. But I think like a, lot it's of not the, there. <laughs> a lot of the bloggers for Disney World are like that because it's such a big area. They're like, why do I need to see this? You have so much land. Why do I need to see your backstage crap? You know? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's also like you go to Universal, you see backstage stuff. You pay a lot of money to see backstage stuff well, at Universal. Universal Studios Hollywood, to clarify. Yeah. Um, it's a great park. It's part of the experience to do that. That that's just my thought. 
Definitely. And I, I don't know if Disney World people are exactly in the same boat as that. But I think if you're if for the consumer that's buying this Express Pass like we are or whoever's going to do it in their future trips, they know they're getting this backstage area probably. And I think it's worth it. I mean, it seems like a good thing. I think it's, you know, just real quick, I think it's kind of a ripoff for, for just one day. However, if you're there for yeah. length of stay, which most people are, and I think they're targeting most people. Most people aren't at Disney World for one day. They have four parks, you know, two water parks, you know, one downtown Disney, Disney Springs thing. People are going to be there longer. If you're there for length of stay, $24 really is cheap compared yeah. to a lot of their upcharge events. But I, I see it being worthwhile for one day if it's cases like I know of. People in my family who have only been able to go, like they're fitting in a visit to Disney World as part of something else. And so it's one day and they're trying to hit all four parks. If you're doing one day and hitting all four parks, then this is a great deal because yeah. it helps you skip the security That's and the, the ticket huge thing. lines for that the take people, so long. For the people that were trying to do the, you know, four parks, one world right. challenge, this is makes it this so much fantastic. easier. This is fantastic. Yeah. This is so helpful then. Definitely. Well, have we laid that story to rest, Jen? What do you think? Yes, I think we have. So another thing that we left off with in August is, as anticipated, Rivers of Light failed to debut in the year of 2016. Surprise, surprise. Right? So now our question is, will we be able to catch it in March? Brent, what is the deal? Well, a few different things. I've listened to the Disney Dish with Lintessa Jim Hill. They're pretty reliable guys. Uh... Jim Hill, well, actually, Lynn Testa, who got to see it in person, said... At the cast member preview? He got to see it at the cast member preview. He said it was decently good. However, there was a lot of flaws in the show. One of them being that the music was just okay. That they were missing the kind of the tangled lanterns floating sequence, which is kind of a huge thing in the the concept art. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And he felt the show was incomplete. And Jim Hill just kind of riffed off of it. I don't think Jim Hill saw it in person either. I saw other reviews, like I believe WW News Today, who said it was a technological marvel, but there was still no wow moment. Um, so definitely there's something missing here in the Rivers of Light show. Um, I've seen many clips of it, so have you, Jen. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for it, to be honest with you. Um, people said that it has a completely unique soundtrack that's not tied to any IP, that gets me excited, personally. Mm-hmm. However, Lynn Testa said it's very generic and not good. And not it doesn't compare to Illuminations, which is another soundtrack that doesn't have an IP tied to it. Lynn Testa goes on the record off, oftentimes, you know, batting for Illuminations, saying it's, you know, the best show, which Jen and I love that show in general. So, with him saying that the Rivers of Light show is just okay, gives... A bit of credence to it because we love Illuminations right. as well. There's you know, something it's a to hard it. thing though because a lot of people also compare what they're trying to do with Rivers of Light to World of Color. Right. It's kind of Disney's first attempt at marrying World of Color and Illuminations, definitely leaving out some of the important parts of both. Like the fireworks. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I've always loved that idea. You know, I am waiting for the day that Disney somehow manages to put those fountains into the lagoon in Epcot 
and we're watching World of Color 360, which makes sense. We're talking about World I like that name, of Color. World of Color 360. That's right. awesome. Right, exactly. In that lagoon, I mean, it would be amazing. And that's everything that Epcot's supposed to be about. It would be gorgeous. It, I mean, I don't know why this isn't happening, honestly. <laughs> it's how it should be. What what I heard from the latest Disney dish with Lentesta is a big issue is the quality of water, you know. Yeah, we did hear Which, about that. Yeah, we heard that you know when they're silk screening stuff or projecting onto the water and rivers of light, it's not super clear. I'm guessing it'll either be the same or if not worse because it's a uh, a bigger lagoon in Epcot, and right. that's an issue they're dealing with that it's not purified water like they have in dca right so is that's actually the usable swamp water in florida right the water in disneyland and dca are man-made bodies of water of course because it's california even more importantly like all of the water in orange county is cycled through a recycling system so one day you could be riding Pirates of the Caribbean in Disneyland and the next day drinking it from a water fountain somewhere <laughs> else in Anaheim. Yum. That is completely p- plausible, right, with how it works there. But that's not the same for Florida. In Florida, we have a mixture of man-made water bodies and, well, bodies of water, water bodies. <laughs> and... A mix of bodies of water that Disney has made. And so I understand then that the plumbing of the shows might have to vary to make it work. But come on, is it really that hard? I mean, they keep... I get from the aspect of, like, if if these were marshes full of algae and stuff, then, yeah, I get the issue. I think they may be, though. But they keep them pretty clean from the look of it, right? I mean, that's what I... I, And this is a science thing that I'm just wrestling with. And for sure, if they say it's a water quality issue, then I buy it. But especially when it comes to Animal Kingdom. Because there are times where you're sitting along that river and you look at it and you're like, well, this looks scummy. Which adds to the theming of it, which is great. But I don't feel quite the same about the lagoon in Epcot. I don't think it's quite as scummy. scummy. (laughs) Right. It definitely looks that way in Animal Kingdom. However, though, in DCA, you can see through the water to the floor. I mean, it's that clean, right? In Epcot, you can't see that, which I think is a great, right? I love it because it looks like an actual lake. Right. However, you can't see through to the bottom because it is a, a degree of dirty. I don't know, it, but it's also a deeper body of water, though, right? That's, that's probably that's true. some of it, too. Yeah. Like, in DCA, it only sustains the really small... True, it's like five to ten feet. ...inflatable boats right. for them to go out there. Right. Whereas in Epcot, it actually holds the friendship boats. That's a point. very different depth that I don't think you're ever going to have, like, unless it was the Caribbean... Right, or Hawaii or something. You're not going to be able to see to the floor of that. And that's an unreasonable thing to expect from them. But I hear you. I mean, it's a different water quality issue. But I wonder if people are chalking it up to that. Unnecessarily so. Like, sometimes I think maybe Disney could just be struggling with other things that then it's easy to be like oh it's this problem oh definitely i, I think like, let's blame it on the water we've quality. seen now based on the news it's not technological problem it's it's story problems um 
So they just have to figure that out. It could be, I predict, kind of like Jim Hill, it's going to open with Avatar. I, I believe that's going to happen. Right. Even though they're releasing glow wands, stuff like that, I think they're still going to, they have time to, they need to revitalize the show and make it better before they release it for Avatar, where the, the Animal Kingdom truly is a nighttime park with the bioluscent yeah. plants and shows and everything like that. Yeah. I so. think some of it, too, is guests having a realistic expectation of what they're going to see. So I absolutely love World of Color. And you know, anytime you see it, if it's windy or an off day, that it's not going to be quite as good. That's just how water works when you're squirting it into the air like that, right? (laughs) So people thinking like, oh, despite the wind and storms and all these other things happening around me, this should be like a perfect water projection screen. I mean, that's absurd, right? Definitely. But they have more than just water screens. That's the issue is there's not a ton more than the water screens with the floats and the... The, the lanterns that aren't there and the, oh God, what are they? The shamans, shamans that are there right. aren't quite doing up to what they should be doing, including yeah. the concept art. Yeah. However, merchandise is on the shelves. True, which park. leads us to believe it should be opening soon. However, I just heard on a recent podcast, Derek Bergen said he got like a uh, Rivers of Light cup last year when it first was supposed to debut in April. So it right. doesn't mean technically anything. Yeah. So we're hoping we'll see it in March. If not, it'll probably wait for our wedding. Yeah. Well, a whole lot of change is coming to Epcot, according to Bob Chapik, Chapik, whatever the hell you call him, at <laughs> Destination D. He told Imagineers to dream big in quotations. And once again, in quotations, Disney, timeless, relevant, and family-friendly are going to become the pillars of the new Epcot philosophy. Uh, It's supposed to remain true to its original vision. Jen, what does this mean for the incorporation of IP or just the meaning of the park in general? Well, I think from what we've heard, especially from Jim Hill, it means that there's a lot of IP coming to Epcot. This is so funny because back in the summer... We did an episode, I wish I remembered the number now, because it would be good to tell you all to go back and listen to it. Yeah, it's been too long since we last podcasted, <laughs> so we don't remember. We did an episode, though, <laughs> about what we thought should happen to Epcot if a whole refurb was going to come to it. And the time has come, <laughs> my friend, <laughs> to talk about other things. Um, yeah, so it's it's here, and it's happening from the sounds of it, it's going to be a lot of IP. We've had these rumors about a Guardians of Galaxy attraction taking over Ellen's Energy Adventure. We Boo. don't know where that stands because that ride is still open. And when we wrote it in September, we thought it was the last time we would. But now there's a little hope. Maybe it'll be open in March and we'll be getting back on that bad boy. There's, yes. It's still open. Yeah. yeah. Jen and I are both uh, proclaimed fans of this. I know. Yeah. We have a friend, I think, on Twitter. I forget what his name was, but who's, you know, he thinks it's time to move on on Twitter. But uh, it's a small we world. love, yeah, still small world, I think. Shout out to you, still small world. We love you. Um, but we think Ellen's energy should still be there, personally. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy that attraction. I mean, it definitely needs an update. I would even love it if there was like a Big Bang Theory version now because it's become <laughs> such a popular sitcom. But I think they could work it in. Anyways, 
Um, you know, we've talked about the possibility of Ratatouille coming to France, mm-hmm. just like it is in Disneyland Paris. Yeah, Disneyland Paris, correct. Uh, Derek Bergen has thrown around his crazy theories on Big Bang, or not Big Bang Theory. Jeez, I'm crazy. Uh, (laughs) uh, Big Hero 6. I didn't even start with Big. Oh, that would be cool. Big Hero 6, somewhere in the World Showcase. Jen and I, I think I've talked before. World Showcase. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, Jen and I have talked about Wally and Future World would be cool. Definitely. Jen and I have talked about, of course, uh, uh, Small World coming to the... Um, the bridge of you know World Showcase and Future World. I would love that still. Um, also, rumors of Coco will open in 2018, right? We've seen some... No, go- it's opening this year. November this year. Oh, right. November. Right. This is something I'm annoyed about because the Day of the Dead, Dia de los... De los Muertos. Dia de los Muertos is November 1st, but the movie's not premiering until like a week or two after that, which doesn't make any sense yeah, at all. I think it's November I mean, 22nd or near Thanksgiving. I mean, they're going for the Thanksgiving regular opening Crowd, date yeah. for movies, but that doesn't make any sense with the topic of the movie. But anyways, there has been speculation about will Coco be good enough to replace the three Caballeros ride in Mexico? So there could be a lot of IP coming to Epcot. There are a lot of possibilities there. Definitely. And whether or not, you know, Jen and I love it or not, I think I've said multiple times I'm not the hugest fan, but I think we just need to accept it's coming these days. It's definitely coming. Um, The one thing that I wondered is Spaceship Earth safe. And I believe it is. You think it is? Yes. I think it's untouched. I think it's one of the only things untouchable in Epcot in general. I mean, you just I think keep it, the message alive. I think it could use an update because the last part of the storyline is we invented computers. <laughs> Steve Jobs. Right. So, I mean, I think we could update it Definitely. since then, you know. Um, that would be awesome. We should take a short moment to shout out Walter and Rosie Candle Company. Yes. We're actually recording this podcast right now, smelling the thank the Phoenician scent that they offer. Oh, it's in a wonderful scent. It smells just like uh, the Rome burning scene and the ride. Yeah. It's so great. Walter and Rosie have a ton of Disney based candles. They're fabulous people. They're awesome soy based candles in fabulous glass jars. We love them. So order from Walter and Rosie. I think they restock about once a month. Do it. We have we have thank the Phoenicians. We have their Soren one, Jumbo House, the Gingerbread House at Christmas time, and one other one maybe somewhere around here. No, I forget. I but know. but they're almost, fabulous. It like, almost we sounds like everyone. they're sponsoring us, but they don't. So we love you. Uh, we love you. Walter and Rosie, we love you. So. Okay. So anyway, so Spaceship Earth. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's safe. It needs an update. But we just saw the event that the Disney Parks blog did with the changing Spaceship Earth into the Death Star as a promo for Rogue One in December. What did you think of that? Just real quick take, Jen. Honestly, I didn't watch it. Honestly, what did you think? I had no problem with it. I think it's it fine. It's cool. It's just a projection on it. I know a lot of Disney fans well, freaked out and said it. I know, but a lot of Disney fans freaked out saying like they turned Epcot unpure. I don't get well. That's ridiculous. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was fine. I you know it was cool to see it you know turn into a Death Star. That it was fine. Really neat. I yeah. know Mad Mickelson, whoever he's the 
uh, the dad of the the female heroine in Rogue One. Um, I know he had like a really awkward appearance, and I feel bad for him. But <laughs> other than that, it was I thought it was fine. Like, who cares? I know Epcot's not supposed to be like you know Star Wars. But who it's cares? It's, it was after the parks were closed. It doesn't matter. Like it's not those like bloggers they painted can screw themselves. Spaceship Earth for months at a time. Yeah, right? I don't understand. It doesn't that. make any sense. I yeah. agree with you. Um, you know what I can see Spaceship Earth turning into is a bit of like a small world where they maybe introduce um, Disney characters somehow throughout the historical scenes in the show. I don't know if they'll do that, but I I can see them doing that, and I would be fine with it. But other than that, they shouldn't touch it. I think it's great. Interesting. Or, you know what? I think they should touch it on the way down. I don't care if it ends on Steve Jobs. Sure, it's fine. Yeah. But they need to fix the way down, where it's just lights, and you're, you know, touching the computer. Maybe add more destinations on the computer. Maybe do something more interactive. Something like that. Yeah, I think there are opportunities for them to add to where is our world headed what have we accomplished and where are we going next kind of idea. Definitely. In the meantime, park goers will have another festival to look forward to in Epcot. Well, folks, Epcot Center should be changed to Epcot Festival Center at this point. Uh, there is rarely a time where there isn't a festival in this park. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> uh, so the the International Festival of Arts will be from January 13th to February 20th on weekends, Friday to Monday. That's uh, the thing that differentiates it from Flower and Garden and Food and Wine, is that it's actually only available on the weekends, not every single day, which is kind of like how they tested the Food and Wine idea back in April. That's because right? there's no in one APCI. there at this point. I mean, that's why. It's just they're <laughs> catering to locals. <laughs> Um, apparently they're going to include visual and performance arts. Uh, well, this with, sounds cool. Yeah, this does sound cool with Broadway talent, uh, with, uh, Disney Broadway classics like the Newsies, the Lion King, uh, my self-professed favorite and Disney movie. And Aladdin. And Aladdin. Yeah. I don't I mean, know if what I, this means. Jen, what does this mean here? I mean, it sounds pretty cool to me. If you could catch the people who do their, do some of those performances on Broadway, But in Epcot, doing some of those songs, like, sure, it doesn't make up for the whole show, but that would be pretty fantastic. I would certainly get my drink from one of the countries and sit there and watch it. I would love that. I would love that. What do they mean by here? I know you wrote the show notes for this sort of part of our show. What does this mean here exactly? Uh, Like, are we having actual stars from The Lion King, Aladdin, and Newsies, or is it just Broadway? It's the Broadway people. That's the okay. point. It's, it's the Broadway people. It's the people. actual Broadway talent. Okay. Well, that's still, that's, that's still pretty cool, I think. It's a very big deal. Yeah. Yeah. A really cool performance. And is obviously, they're going to incorporate food. As does, Which is always good. Does. It's kind of like another food and wine festival of arts. Awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to book a trip to January 20th. If Jen lets me, we'll see if that happens. Jen, tell us next about our next story. Well, speaking of park changes, Tower of Terror finally closed this past week in Disney California Adventure. So it's gone. It's gone. Disney did a last stint with it over a few months of the Tower of Terror dark at night thing where when you rode it at night, there there weren't any lights and effects. It was just pitch black. Um, My opinion was it was kind of stupid. I agree. If we're talking about Tower of Terror in the Dark, uh, not very good. I know my aunt liked it very much. Uh, <laughs> Maybe. That's fine. Um, 
However, I want to talk about a bigger uh, deal. I think the Tower of Terror was covered in a giant brown lunch bag. Yeah, um, that was nasty. And it was nasty. Straight nasty. The, one of the biggest eyesores I think I've ever seen in Disney history. Without what did you doubt. think about that, Jen? It was terrible. The few occasions that I did make it to Disneyland. So that happened, I think, pretty much right as you were moving to Pittsburgh. And so it was mostly there during the time they... I went to Disneyland alone, which was just a couple of occasions, and it was terrible. It looked horrendous. I mean, it just, it it was a complete eyesore in the park, because if you know how California Adventure is constructed, and you understand just generally how L.A. looks, the greater L.A. area, it's pretty flat, right? So... You see Tower of Terror very prominently from pretty much anywhere in the park. And yeah, it was just and covered by in the 15 brown, mile area. Right. It's just covered by brown tarps. It's a, sack it's a lunch things. bag. Yeah. yeah. It was terrible. It, it was, was terrible. It was, it was just like the horror movie The Strangers, except it was an attraction and they put yeah. a bag over it. I and mean, actually, at the same time, there were cranes in the backstage areas of even worse. DCA installing solar panels on top of. Radiator Springs, which is a fantastic thing to do, as well as preparing some of the construction stuff for Tower of Terror. Anyways, it looked a mess. It looked a mess. It, it looked was just a mess. terrible. Definitely. I it think the, the only benefit I can see out of this is at least Disney's getting ahead of this. At least maybe they'll open this on time or ahead of time. Exactly. Which is fast. So they're supposed to open the new ride, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, in the summer of 2017. We had no hope for that when we first heard about it and knowing how much they needed to change just understanding the way that Disney works, that the ride wouldn't close completely until January and then would reopen in the summer. However, now knowing that they have closed, that they took down much of the facade in September, October, November, December, gives me a little more hope for what they might accomplish, that this could be fairly well on point. The new Guardians of the Galaxy movie comes out in May. I would be really surprised if they made that deadline because that's, that's super that's fast. aggressive. Another interesting thing to me is is this retirement package for Joe Rody? Like, is this his sending off call? Like, I just this isn't him. Like, <laughs> why is he doing this? Well, it either, doesn't make sense. Either way, Avatar Land opens after this. Either way, well, they open at the similar time. Actually, I heard rumors. This is recently posted by WWE News today that it should open uh, May twenty seventh, based on the kind of the tickets they released and the blackouts towards Animal Kingdom that they presented. Right. However, Rivers of Light was supposed to open back on Earth Day. So what you're what you're saying is Avatar has no chance of opening on time. I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying Rivers of Light was supposed to open last year in April, and it's now January, and we still haven't seen it. I think because of that, Avatar is going to open summer. I don't think it's going to open the May 27th date. I think it'll probably open July, but I think they're going to hustle ass. Yeah. to get this thing open because they've already been burned on the Rivers of Light. I don't think that this. This Guardians of the Galaxy overlay on Tower of Terror is necessarily Joe Rohde's last call. You don't think so? I don't think so. I think it's definitely going to be Avatar Land. Either way. Either way. Even if even if Avatar Land opens first, what people are going to remember is that over Guardians of the Galaxy. Or Ev- Expedition Everest. But what about 
if he keeps going and like people are saying, he spearheads the whole Marvel Land project. Well, that would DCA, be fantastic. I would feel which much is what better. People are saying, yeah. I still think I think Avatar was going to be great. I think uh, the Banshee ride is it's going to be kind of. I'm not expecting greatness out of the Avatar Banshee ride. It's just going to be soaring over Pandora. And, you know, the bow ride is going to be short, too. I'm not really expecting the rise to be all that great, but I know the whole land itself is going to be, I think, awesome cohesiveness and amazing theming. So while I don't think they break any technology in terms of ride, you know, uh, systems or anything like that, I think the whole land is going to come together really well. And I especially can't wait, as Jen and I are huge drinkers on this podcast, for, uh, God, I think it's uh, Tangu Tangu or something like that. Which is the uh, watering hole or bar in Avatar Land. That does sound exciting. But headed back to Guardians of the Galaxy and DCA. So I remember we've talked about this before. I think I heard some whispers about it, but haven't stayed super connected. So I don't remember what the final call was. Will the new attraction include an opening of the doors into the park with the park view as Tower of Terror did? That's or a good point. Or is it blocked off? That's a good point. So I've heard from, you know, one of the sites I read, Mice Chat, that they ran out of the budget and that the doors won't open. That's what I've heard. Because they can't theme it around the opening of the doors. Yeah, that if well, actually, that's a good point. I mean, what's the budget issue? Actually, like they already think, have the actually, functionality to do it. Actually, I take that back. I think they do open the doors because there is a budget cut issue, and they're not going to they spend the money to project and use the amazing imagery for that five to ten second part of the ride. Right. Okay. Interesting. But we we should be expecting randomized drops. Is that finally coming? Randomized drops are definitely coming. Yeah, We know that for sure. Yes. Okay, so that's been the one thing that, you know, so many people are so upset with the end of Tower of Terror, Terror and DCA. And I hear you. However, Disney World has been better for years. Oh, it's, part, it'll always be better. Right. In large part due to the fact that Disney World has had the randomized drops. And even more recently, they've added impromptu scenes that pop up projections scenes on the inside of the elevators that are random cool they can be lightning they can be ghosts they can be anything even in in addition to that as all people know florida has the fifth dimension scene too right so i mean it's a landslide right what is better um jen what would you like better a guardians of the galaxy ride with the doors opening to the disneyland resort view like we've seen you know so many years past or something that stays closed but adds more to the storyline with projection effects and maybe even animatronic effects. You know, that's a hard thing. Um, so I probably would have said before that I'd rather it be closed and have the effects. However, now being away from Disneyland and just generally missing that opening view into the park and seeing everything, I want that view back okay you know so even if it means i don't get the effects all the time i want the view for me being a story purist i think i'd I'd prefer them being closed Mm -hmm. i don't know how they can well maybe they can write the story where somehow they're at the disneyland resort it makes sense but i think to really tell a great story 
the doors have to be completely clear. You have to be completely enclosed in that building and be completely immersed into the Guardians of the Galaxy lore that isn't present into present-day Anaheim, purely. Yeah, but it doesn't ruin it on Tower of Terror when you do that in Disneyland. Or but it Disney makes World. sense in Tower of Terror because you're, you know... You know, you're waving goodbye to the outside world, right? That's what they say. Well, I know, but maybe they, they could add that in. It's like much like today, you know, it's this dark and stormy day with the lightning and stuff, and it's not always like that. And it doesn't ruin the experience completely when you're in the elevator and you open up on a blue, sunshiny day and you're being transported through a different experience. I mean, I just, either way, it's going to be really cool, I think. I think it'll be good. I'm very hopeful for at least the queue because Joe Rody is such a detailed person. Yeah. The queue is, I mean, it's just going to be seen very detailed. some pictures of the cast member Outfits. uniforms. Yeah, they look, I mean, they, they look, look pretty decent, good. They look a little puffy, but they look good. <laughs> puffy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little puffy. <laughs> but I think pretty good. Anything else to add to that story, Jen? No. Let's move on to the three hit chicken clues game. We haven't played this in a while, so four months to be one. exact. Yes. <laughs> so here's <laughs> the new one. This week, your hint is attraction. Your clues are woolly mammoth, papyrus, and stars. So again, your hint is attraction, and this is woolly mammoth. Papyrus and stars. So, if there's been any hint this week as to what candle we're you know, <laughs> lighting or anything like that, I think you'll get this. We'll post this on our uh, Twitter, our Instagram. Uh, you can follow us there. It's at Disney on both of those. Thanks for listening, folks. And that's a wrap for episode 33. Thanks for listening. If you guys have any questions or would like us to discuss anything, please send those to our email, disneyt at gmail.com. Or by leaving us a message on Twitter, our handle is at Disneyt or our Facebook. Please leave us a review on iTunes and Stitcher as that gets us into more listener ears and we really appreciate it. Have a good one, folks. Bye, everyone. Well, folks, this concludes our show. So thanks for bearing with us to the bare end and barrel around to see us again. What do you say, Sammy? I say y'all come back. You hear? <laughs> <laughs>